Blog Talk Radio. Presenting yourselves on this battlefield. I give you thanks. This is our army. To join it, you give homage. I give homage to Scotland. And if this is your army, why does it go? We didn't come here to fight for them. Oh! The English are too many. Joseph 
Gibson Podcasting Live, understanding the times in which we live today. Hope everybody can hear me fine here tonight. Uh, I know the other night we had a little bit of a audio there, audio problem going on, but I think everybody can hear me fine here tonight. Uh, if you missed uh, Friday night's show, very, very good show about the Republic. Uh, some predictions made, some things that may happen here in the future. And if you missed last night's show, go back and listen to it. It was a very good conversation we had there. Started out a little bit rough there. We had a couple crank callers there. One guy uh, debating with me about homosexuality and got into a little bit of a debate about that. And uh, then, of course, uh, a couple other callers there uh, joined me in, and we had a good, actually a three-way, four-way call conversation. Uh, I had one gentleman up there in New York. He calls in very rarely, but he's uh, he actually made the suggestion last night that I play a lot of documentaries now late in the war and for talking points, and he suggested that we start, we got into a conversation about MacArthur and Rockwell and stuff like that. So uh, because of all this communist, that communism that's being perpetrated across America right now. And uh, you're going to see real communism here real soon because the lockdowns are coming. The second COVID lockdown is coming, and we blew that wide open the past couple days. There is unrefutable. They cannot conceal the information anymore and hide it from us. We don't need people sneaking around trying to get this information anymore. It's put right out there in the open. And now we are for certain, for sure, that this is the agenda of the Biden administration's evil, evil, evil agenda. And Biden, the Jesuit that he is, and his Jesuit uh, uh, minions and that are in his administration, his cabinet. And uh, this is a very, very, very dangerous situation here that we're living in. The times in which we live today is very dangerous. So I'm going to play a little bit of uh, audio here, and uh, it came out pretty good, actually. So... Uh, Everybody, we're going to do George Lincoln Rockwell here first, and then uh, I'll kick the phone boards. And then I want to do America's Great Divide. We're going to go in a little bit of Donald Trump and uh, 2020, go back in time here to 2019, 2020. And it's very professionally put together, so we're going to play that one too in a little bit. And, of course, we'll take phone calls here, so just be patient, everybody. 657-383-061. Excuse me. Six five seven three eight three zero six one six. Thank you very much. All right, let's get this going. Ladies and gentlemen, the following is a talk by the late commander of the American Nazi Party, Mr. George Lincoln Rockwell. The occasion was in Dallas, Texas, in 1965, where approximately 75 prominent Dallas citizens accepted a personal invitation to gather at a private home to see and hear. Mr. Rockwell. Happy the best thing to say for my president. But I have been accepted in most cases, usually by people who have very little to lose, by young people who are uh, working people and uh, are not, I would say, at the upper social level and uh, don't stand to lose too much. I have never seen, I have never been so encouraged as I have here in Dallas to see so many people who have so much to lose, who are laying so much on the line, who are willing even to come here and see me. I realize that it takes a lot of courage on the part of a lot of people. You've heard that I'm a Jewish agent working for Harry Golden and Bernard Baruch and the ADL and the, about just about everything else. And I realize just how much courage it takes, and I'm very grateful to all of you. About the only thing that I think I can do in a talk to a group like this is to try to give you some uh, down-to-earth picture of what I see around the country and what I think we can do. I think that there's nobody that would be in this room if he weren't deeply concerned about what is happening to our race, to our Christian republic, to our constitution, 
And as far as I'm concerned, the major thing is our race. That's my basic concern. I believe, along with uh, Senator Bilbo and uh, John Rankin and some of the other great men that I think are in the tradition which we are following, that if the race is preserved, we can produce everything else. If our race is destroyed, it matters not what kind of government we preserve. If we don't keep our white race, we're going to lose everything else. And I think they're after our white race more than anything else. I think they're using the Negroes, the Communist Party, and the Jews are using the Negroes as a battering ram to smash down the white race because they recognize as long as the white race exists, they cannot get away with it. They can't put communism over on this country. Now, what I have to offer here, if anything, and I believe I do, is an analysis of why we sit here in this room, and some of you must be horrified that it will get out that you have spoken to me. Why should one American be afraid to be known that you've spoken to another American who is a veteran, spent 19 and a half years in the Navy, and loves his country just as much as any American alive? Why should you be afraid? Why should we be beaten down? Why should we be failures after 50 years of putting out work for years and years and years? Many of you have worked literally for years to save this country, and what do you see? I'm sure there's nobody in this room that won't agree with me that we have had at least 50 years of failure since 1913 when the Jews got the income tax amendment, since they set up the big foundation, they got the uh, election of senators directly instead of by the state legislatures, they set up the Anti-Defamation League, and they set up the Federal Reserve. In 1913, they did all those things. That was at Woodrow Wilson's time, the first, I believe, either communist or pro-communist president we ever had. And ever since then, ladies and gentlemen, let's face it, we have been losing. That is my thing, that we have been losing steadily. And when people say to me, yes, but how do you think you can win with a swastika and a name like Nazi, my answer is, who else is winning? Do you know of anybody else who has won or is winning? We just went through the horrible scene of seeing the whole country go crazy over a Jewish leader. The whole enemy is led by Jews, and suddenly here comes a Jew over to our side, and Thousands of people, many of you here, would have, would have said it was impossible five years ago that you would be for a Jew for president of the United States. And isn't this true? Isn't this what's happened? And yet, what has this man done? He has got us to the point where millions of dollars have been expended. Millions of people are discouraged all over the country. They have been going since the elections. People are disgusted, discouraged. They just don't know what to do anymore. We have seen Henry Ford rise up to fight them and be beaten down. We've seen Lindbergh rise up to fight them and be beaten down. We've seen Father Coghlan rise up to fight them and be beaten down. We've seen Joe McCarthy, perhaps the greatest of all of them, give it a try, and they beat him down. And I might mention, for those of you who have not read my book, let me tell you very briefly the story of Joe McCarthy or review it for you, so that those of you who still have soft feelings for Goldwater will understand how they do this to us. Joe McCarthy was set up by Bernard Baruch, for those of you who don't know, I remember, I believe in Joe McCarthy. I love the man. I think he was one of the greatest Americans who's ever lived. He really tried. But as long as you do not understand the Jewish problem and face up to it and deal realistically with it, you might just as well not fight. Bernard Baruch called Joe McCarthy up to his New York apartment. And this at the time, if you remember, was at the time of the Rosenberg. Remember, they were bringing out one Jewish spy after another. Greenglass, Weinbaum, Brothman, Moskowitz, all these Jewish spies were being dragged out. And the Jews were horrified. And instead of deploring it, like the Italians, good Italians deplore the Mafia, the Jews have another answer. They asked Joe McCarthy, Bernard Baruch said, if you will go out, Joe, and bring up some Gentile communists, we'll back you. And Joe McCarthy, like many going before him, thinking, 
I'll outsmart these people. I'll take their support and get going, and I'll fight them. And when the time comes, I'll get all the communists, not just the, the Gentiles, went along with Jewish Mr. Baruch. And do you remember the first thing he did? Owen Lattimore. Remember how he said he was the biggest spy in the United States? Owen Lattimore. This was at a time when all the spies were Jews. And all of a sudden he brought out Owen Lattimore and he made a lot of silly charges that didn't fit as to, to numbers. I'm not saying that his charges about communism weren't correct. I'm simply saying that his number, he got all mixed up on his numbers. And they began to poke fun at him. He was advised by George Sikorsky, a supposedly right-wing Jewish columnist. Remember that? He installed as his chief of staff Roy Cohn, a Jew from New York. And Roy Cohn told him that we need another fine Jew here to help us, David Schein. Now here he was, set up by Baruch, advised by Sikorsky, staffed by Cohn and Schein, and who got him? Do you remember who got Joe McCarthy? It was Roy Cohn calling from his office in the name of Joe McCarthy to get favors from the Army for David Schein. It wasn't Joe McCarthy that did a single, they couldn't get Joe McCarthy, he never did a wrong thing. But these two Jews are the guys that got Joe McCarthy. Now I'm here tonight to tell you that there is no compromise whatsoever with the truth. We are the only weapon that we have in the right wing, in pro-American, pro-white, Christian-American, Republicanism, whatever you want to call it. There is no compromise with the truth. That's the only weapon we have. And when we compromise the truth and try to sneak, we are competing with the biggest sneaks in the world. And if there's anybody in this room that thinks for one minute that we can out-sneak the Jews, he's got another thing coming. They are the master sneaks of all time. We are not sneaks. Our kind of people are direct. Our Anglo-Saxon and Germanic and Nordic forefathers stand up with mighty club if they had to, and they stand up to their enemies and they beat them over the head until they win or they get beaten. They don't go sneaking and skulking around like a bunch of Jews. They don't use lies. The only way we can win is to stand up like men and fight. Now, I believe that we have lost for all these years, not only in America, but all over the world, because we have continually been sucked into this business of believing there's some easy way to win. Everybody has tried to do it by telling a little bit of the truth. And folks, this is like being a little bit pregnant. It just isn't possible. You either tell the truth or you are a liar. You've got to stand up for the whole truth. And believe me, I thought for a long time perhaps I was wrong to tell what I now know to be the whole truth, that Adolf Hitler fought our fight, but I now begin to find out it worked. How many of you people would have said just two or three years ago that you would ever be sitting in a room listening to the head Nazi of the world discuss on Nazism? You would have thought it was impossible, and yet you're here. Some of you may be under protest, and some of you quaking with horror, but you're here, and you will listen, and some of you will, will realize that some of the things I'm saying make some sense. I hope that a lot of the things you will think make sense. We are making progress. People are beginning to realize that what happened in Germany was a forerunner of what's happening here. Have you noticed, by the way, how the women's fashions even are precisely going along the pattern of 1920? They've got the same crazy dance music, the same immorality, the same filth in our national life. Everybody's crazy over money, and there's a big boom. They're getting ready to do the same thing to us here that they did to the Germans in 1920. And in the face of this, here is what I think we must understand. We are presently a tiny little group, not because we don't have a lot of people, we don't have a lot of force, and we don't have a lot of backing. Our problem is that our people will not stay together. I know you've heard this in the right wing a million times. If we could only all get together. I gave that up. I was a conservative for eight years, and I worked with all leading conservatives. I helped set up uh, Buckley and National Review. I did everything I could. I put every penny I 
saved and made in business, I put it all into a conservative effort. And I saw it go down the drain. Because the conservatives will not stick together. You all know that. I'm not telling you something you don't know. The Jews stick right together in a solid block. They all vote the same way. The Negroes all stick together in a solid block. They all vote. The white man is, some are Yankees, some are rebels. Some are rich, some are poor. Some are labor, some are management. They're Catholics and Protestants. We're divided into a million little competing groups, and we, to the pleasure of the Jews, divide and cancel each other out. So I have given up the idea that we're going to all get together. This leaves only one possibility. Some of us have got to find some way to organize and be able to fight this filthy thing that is taking over our country, destroying our race, destroying our morals, and destroying every fabric of our national being. And in analyzing how are we going to do this, here is what I would like to present for your consideration. Why have we failed all of these other groups? Why did McCarthy fail? Father Coghlan fail? Lindbergh fail? And every group, Goldwater, I hate to even mention him in the same breath with those great men, why have we continually failed? And I will ask you to be as ruthless with yourselves as you've ever been in your life. Do not be subjective. This is what I finally had to do. When I kept losing as a conservative, I got fed up with it. I got fed up with being blacked out. Nobody would ever give us any publicity. You never heard of anything of a right-wing meeting. All I ever saw us was doing was failing. And I began to try to analyze why have we been losing? Have you ever thought seriously of this? Why are we still here? We're actually, we've got more money than the Jews. That's the truth. Very few people realize that. We have insurance. We have banking. We have railroads. There's a lot of huge industries which are entirely Gentile. The Jews don't have all the money. We've got a lot of money. We've got intelligent, brilliant, wonderful people. We've got dedicated people. We have everything we need to win, and we keep losing. Does it, has it ever sunk into you? Have you ever laid awake at night, as I have many and many a night, wondering why? How can we keep losing? We have the truth. We have the force. We have the people. We have the money. And we keep losing and losing and losing. And we just did it again. We just lost to the biggest liar and crook perhaps that has ever been in the White House. A man who is openly known probably to kill to get in that White House. A man who is perhaps the biggest fake, the most obvious fake we've ever had. And we still couldn't beat him. Now, I think that if we're going to survive, folks, each one of you individually must search your heart and ask, why did that happen? And you must see that it never happens again. We can't afford to lose anymore. Surely there's nobody in this room that can imagine that we can survive for another 10 or 15 years. I think we can make it six or seven more. I think we'll make it through hell for four years of Lyndon Johnson. But we cannot make it another four. We have got to find a way to win. And here is what I will submit to you is the only way that we're going to be able to win. We have got to ruthlessly analyze our failure and realize that the reason for it is because we have been aiming at the wrong part of political power. I will ask you to think how many of you have had the experience taking a book or a pamphlet of facts, absolutely incontrovertible facts about the Jews or about communism or what have you, our patriotism, and taking it to our compatriots and say, look at this. About Lyndon Johnson, for instance, the text and looks at Lyndon, a great book. How many of you have the experience of taking this sort of thing to our fellow citizens and saying, read this? And they say, I'm not interested, they won't read it. Haven't you had that experience? Haven't you seen people just won't read? They won't study. They don't care. And we just don't know what to do about it. And instead of analyzing and realizing perhaps that's something wrong with that approach, we continue to do it. I keep hearing people preach and preach and preach. The truth will make you free. 
Well, ladies and gentlemen, the truth by itself has never made anybody free in the world. It didn't give us the United States of America. You know what got us the United States of America? The men who had the courage to stand up there conquered in Lexington with guns to defend it. The truth didn't do it alone. You need the truth, but you also need the men to stand up and fight for it. And they've got to do it intelligently, folks. They cannot keep stumbling like a farmer that keeps going out in the past and stumbling over the same rock. There's something wrong with that man. Anybody with any intelligence says, I've got to go a different path, and I'm going to keep falling over that rock. And that's what we've been doing for 50 years. We keep falling on our face. And the reason for it, ladies and gentlemen, I submit to you is this. The people in this room will read facts, or you wouldn't be here. Now, I'm not flattering you. You are superior. You are an elite. There's one lady here in the room that is, I've discovered seven months ago knew nothing. And now she's a dedicated Nazi because she reads and reads and reads and studies and studies and studies, and I've never seen that before. That's the world championship. Now, this, ladies and gentlemen, this is what you must understand. The masses of people that we must win around this country will not study. They read comic books. They like to go and see the TV and sit with their beer and their feet up and looking at the TV. They like to read dime novels or whatever you want to call them, cheap pulp stuff. They will not study like you people will do. Now, I used to be on Madison Avenue in advertising, and I know the biggest sin, the stupidest thing any of you that are businessmen know that the worst mistake you can make when you're running a business is to run an ad that you like. You have, in order to succeed, you must run an ad which will sell. Is this not correct? Any man that's a businessman knows that's the truth. I used to be in advertising, and I know a lot of advertisers would insist on making me run ads that they like and they wouldn't sell. You must run an ad that reaches the people that you want to reach, not the one that you might particularly like. My point is this. The masses of people will not study facts and think about them rationally. The masses of people must be entertained, and everything you give them must be sugar-coated and made easy. Now, if you say that's evil and wicked, I will say, well, perhaps so. But Lyndon Johnson is giving them that sugar-coated stuff. The Jews are giving them the sugar-coated. Lyndon Johnson and the Jews and all the enemy people that keep winning, they hand the people all the soft soap and the garbage that wins them. Is this not true? Didn't Roosevelt do it? Didn't have uh, Goldwater just prove that to you? Lyndon Johnson is a lout. All right, everybody. Joseph Gibson podcasting here, understanding the times in which we live today. Uh, that, uh, as you can see, what he was saying in there, you know, well, we don't got 10, 15 more years. Well, what did they do right after that? They went into the Vietnam War, right? War. And that seems to be the cycle and the pattern of uh, how things go. When things start getting tough, what do they do? They distract us with a conflict, a war, or a distraction in the media. Uh, back then, they didn't have social media and the Internet. And they have, so people, they had to have a national staged thing, which was a war. Vietnam War was a national, everyone was concerned about up in arms about it. And that's what they did. So uh, somebody in the chat room, was that Bob Hope? No, it wasn't Bob Hope. <laughs> nope, no, sorry. <laughs> yeah, maybe it sounded like him. I don't know, but it wasn't Bob Hope. But uh, I got my first caller here. Let me take my first caller here see what they got to say. And then I want to do uh, go into the America is a Great Divide. We're going to fast forward to 2019, 2020, the Trump years, the divide Donald Trump. Very interesting documentary, actually. Uh and, uh, and and it just says how the cycle of history keeps repeating itself over and over and over, and but in 
as it's going on and on and on, they're retracting our liberties and they're getting to their ultimate goal, which is ultimate control of everything you do, whether it be through a microchip, whether it be through an app on your phone, the COVID vaccination, which we know for a fact now uh, the MR thing is totally, totally giving people heart attacks, high blood pressure, uh, hypertension. Uh, that the side effects are just overwhelming, and they're for, and they're telling people you have to be vaccinated. We covered that last night on the podcast. We gave you irrefutable, factual evidence of of the of the plans of their COVID, the lockdown. What happens in Australia? What happens in South Africa? What happens in Europe? Eventually, happens here. And what's going on there now is uh, a travesty. You don't see it on your news. You're not going to see it on MTV. You're not going to see it on Keeping Up with the Kardashians. You're not going to see it, uh, you know, uh, on your feel-good TV movies. You're not going to turn on the radio when you're driving down the road and uh, your rap music or whatever you listen to, country music, rock and roll. You're not going to get it there. You're only going to get it over the Internet, through podcasting, through alternative media. You're going to get the facts, and before you know it, they're going to pull the plug on us and shut us down and censor us, too. They're already doing it on Facebook. They're already doing it on Twitter. They've done it to me. They're going to, they're going to censor you, and then you're not going to get no facts at all. You're going to get the boxing game, friends, the morning show, somebody dancing on a pole, you know, uh, something like that. Somebody uh, swimming in the water with flipper. You know, that's what you're going to get to feel good. And meanwhile, they're come, robbing you out the back door with your furniture and your wallet, your money, and your kids and everything else. And then you got the idiot zombies that are helping them. And you got the do-gooders out there that are, you know, it's a good thing. You know, get the vaccination. They still wear masks. They're still driving around in their car wearing a mask, suffocating to death, smashing into a telephone pole, swerving off the road, killing people. It's happening all over the country. America's a big place. Big place. There's a lot of people in America, a lot of people in the world. And you don't hear all these stories all the time. But you let he just say, you got to study, 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 read, 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 read. Pay attention, you know. So let me go to, uh, let's see, 781. Go ahead, 781. Hey, what's up? It's Joe. I mean, it's now. What the fuck? I'm just an idiot. What's that? <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> it's Mel. Oh, how you doing, Mel? What was so what's so funny? I missed that. <laughs> I feel like it's Joe, but now the way no, who I'm talking to it's Mel. <laughs> oh, okay, Mel. Okay, all right. Oh, you said Joe. Okay. <laughs> what's on your mind tonight, Mel? Um. Uh, yesterday I found some pretty interesting stuff on um. Um, I posted some ar- two articles on Gab. Um, okay. About BLM, if you want, if you're interested in uh, one, they're based, both of them are basically about the exact same thing, so if you want to hear it, then I guess. Okay, all right, mm-hmm. so basically the same thing I'm pretty much talking about, huh? Uh, kind of. All right, well, what's, is it, I mean, we'll tell people how they can get the article real quick and uh, how um, how they can view it. Uh, I got this on Yahoo News, so, A, um... Also, it's on my Gab for Patriots. That's my Gab. Yep. Anyway, um, so this basically is about how people, how more Americans want to investigate the BLM riots more than the January 6th riots, which I found incredibly fascinating. So, 
Um, well, we covered that. Yeah, we did a news story the other night. I don't yeah. know if you were on or not. I think it was Friday night. We were. Yeah, Friday night we did the show with the Republic with the interim governor of Colorado. Interim uh, governor, not governor, interim. Very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gave you the website to look him up, but uh, he was on the podcast live. And we and I did a report. I played one of the reports of how the FBI actually, basically, did the whole Michigan uh, 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 kidnapping plot. And uh, mm-hmm. and I don't think you you weren't listening to my podcast. I think a year and a half ago, uh, I don't remember you calling in. Uh, but uh, I had one of the gentlemen that was arrested. He used to come on here that, um, quite frequently. His name was Barry Croft. He used to come on here. I think mm-hmm. I came on here about 15, 20 times, I think, and he would, you know, talk and whatnot. I knew him personally, and uh, that he was one of the ones that got arrested. But now they've uncovered evidence that the FBI actually uh, formulated the whole thing. I mean, actually told the guys what to say, what to do, what to buy, how to go about it. I mean, and basically walked them to the crime to do it and then arrested them. <laughs> so oh, it's kind, of like, your, yeah, it's kind of like giving your son. It's kind of like giving your son a book of matches and saying, okay, now this is how you do it. This is how you burn yeah, the bed, yeah. you know, and then, and then smacking them on yeah. the hand. Dad, boy, why'd you do that? You know what I mean? So that's kind of what it's like, yeah. you know? Yeah, that's sketchy come to think of it. Oh uh, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Be aware of your surroundings. Be careful. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, anything else? Uh no. I'm just scrolling okay. in and trying to find. All right. Well, articles. I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you listening to the podcast. Staying there. What did you think of Rockwell there in the beginning? Pretty good. Pretty good stuff. Welcome live. All right. It's pretty good. I like that. All right. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for calling. Mm-hmm. All righty. There's a Massachusetts uh, listener there from Massachusetts. I believe Massachusetts, high school student. So uh, I'll put you on mute. You're just uh, since we have to worry about background noise. But if you want to come back on, you just you know how to unmute yourself. Um, anybody else? Uh, let's see here. Uh, let's see. I got. Uh, I don't want that crank caller. He's on back on here again. Nope. We're not going to get him. Uh, I recognize the number. He does not spoof his number, I guess, yet. Uh, he was on last night about the homosexual debate and whatnot, and then foul language. I don't need that nonsense. Uh, hey, there's Sarge in the chat room. All right, there we go. Sarge, I don't know where you were last night. You missed a good conversation. I guess the Friday night show, we were, we were bombed. I mean, Friday night, man, the phone lines were just lit up. It was insane. I mean, there was just so many people trying to get in, and I'm sorry if I couldn't get to everybody. but And everybody stood and hung out there the entire time pretty much. Uh, that was great. That was great. So the uh, the Great Divide, America. Hopefully the audio will come out here on this one also pretty good. The uh, first one came out pretty good. Uh, so we'll play, and that was from 1955. So, man, you know. But uh, here we go. Donald Trump. Uh, this one's a little bit longer, but this is a, a professional media piece put together. It's a Donald Trump, the, you know, America divided more than any other time in the history of our country. And then we'll go open up the phones and uh, do some comments if anybody wants to talk or, or share a story or share something, and uh, we'll do that Sunday night. Usually that's what I like to do, listen to whatever anybody has to say. So uh, 657-383-0616, press the number one, and I will get you on. Divided America on America's Great Divide. It's only going to get nastier. The dramatic conclusion, tonight on Frontline.
Tonight's program contains mature content, which may not be suitable for all audiences. Your discretion is advised. For some people, the ultimate goal in life has been becoming the President of the United States. Would you like to be the President of the United States? I really don't believe I would, but I would like to see somebody as the President who could do the job. Why wouldn't someone like yourself run for political office? You have all the money that you possibly need. You've accomplished a great deal, even though you are only 34. Why wouldn't you dedicate your public service? Because I think it's a very mean life. I, I would love and I would I would dedicate my life to this country, but I see it as being a mean life. And I also see it as somebody with strong views and somebody with the kind of views that are maybe a little bit unpopular, which may be right, but may be unpopular wouldn't necessarily have a chance of getting elected against somebody with no great brain but a big smile. And that's a sad commentary for the political process. Over the decades, as Donald Trump watched and waited, the prospect of becoming president would grow, just as the nation was becoming more and more divided. It is time to heal America. Bill Clinton ran against brain-dead politics in both parties. And a leader must be a uniter, not a divider. George W. Bush said he was a uniter, not a divider. We are and always will be the United States of America. Barack Obama was introduced to the country saying there's not a blue America and a red America. And each of them, by the end of their presidency, the country was more divided than when they took office. It was in that division that Trump saw his moment. He was looking for an opportunity, and his opportunity was division. His opportunity was mining resentment and weaponized race, and that's what he did. This is a classic case of the time being right for a Trump candidacy. Now you have a level of dissatisfaction with the voters that we've never seen before, and they want somebody with the toughness and the independence and nobody can bully him he is viewed by voters as his own man who will tell it like it is whether it's politically correct or not i am your voice an age of unprecedented political conflict polarization Ready and willing to stoke America's great divide. The biggest event to date in campaign 2015. Candidates taking the stage for a five-time showdown. My research assistant researched all the candidates who were going to be on stage that night. It is 9 p.m. on the East Coast, and the moment of truth has arrived. And pull anything interesting or controversial about them, right? Everybody had a binder like this, and Trump had a binder like this, right? At the time, Megyn Kelly was a star on Fox News. Mr. Trump. One of the things people love about you is you speak your mind and you don't use a politician's filter. However, that is not without its downsides, in particular when it comes to women. You've called women you don't like fat pigs, dogs, slobs, and disgusting animals.
their Twitter account. Only Rosie O'Donnell. No, it wasn't. He knew I was going to hit him on something, and he guessed it would be women, and he got some line looked up. Your Twitter account? Fine. We forged forward. It's a, the convention said I was laughing, but I was going to get through the rest of my question. For the record, it was well beyond Rosie O'Donnell. Yes, I'm sure it was. Your Twitter account has several disparaging comments about women's looks. You once told a contestant on Celebrity Apprentice it would be a pretty picture to see her on her knees. Does that sound to you like the temperament of a man we should elect as president? What I say is what I say. And honestly, Megan, if you don't like it, I'm sorry. I've been very nice to you, although I could probably maybe not be based on the way you have treated me, but I wouldn't do that. The way Trump sees media, the way he sees life, is all they like me or they don't like me. And in that moment, I got moved from the she likes me category into the she doesn't like me. And I do believe, I believe that night the anger was real. His anger at me was real that night. Thank you all very much. And that will do it for the first Republican primary debate night of the 2016 presidential race. Our thanks to the candidates. In his clash with Kelly, Trump was creating conflict, just as he'd done as a reality TV star. Afterwards, in Spin Alley, he would use the press to keep it going. Donald Trump shows up as if he needed the hit of adrenaline before he went home to New York. You guys okay? Yep. Yes, sir. Don't hurt yourselves. It was like mosquitoes to to a lantern on a summer night. I mean, the entire national press corps descended. People were being trampled and camera equipment was flying all over the place. And I'd never seen a scene like this. I mean, I've seen many media stampedes, but nothing like that. What's your history with Megan? Megan, I think Megan behaved very badly. Personally. The question about women, you didn't like that? No, I thought it was an unfair question. They didn't ask those questions of anybody else, and I thought it was an unfair question. But you know what? The answer it was, was just the beginning. Are you going to call Roger Ailes about it? At 3.40 in the morning, he lit up Twitter. Wow, Megan Kelly really bombed tonight. People are going wild on Twitter. Funny to watch. On the phone with CNN, he went farther. What is it with you and Megan Kelly? She starts asking me all sorts of ridiculous questions. And, you know, you could see there was blood coming out of her eyes. Uh, blood coming out of her wherever. But Trump recognized that it was a good storyline. And he kept fuel going under that fire. Because he knew some portion of his audience loved to see him challenging you know, a powerful woman, never mind a woman at Fox. And so he accurately deduced that this would drive his numbers up with some segment of his base. Trump had a powerful ally in the attack on Kelly. The right-wing website Breitbart and its leader, Steve Bannon. Fox has chosen a side. It's so evident in that debate that they're there to kneecap Donald Trump, okay? They're there to take him out. And that's when we go, okay, we run 20 stories on Megyn Kelly. I get Tony Lee and Matt Boyle, my two hammers. They go right after Megyn Kelly. We're going to Linsky her, right? We're going to cut her out from the, call her out from the herd and just hit her nonstop. That's when all war broke out. That's when Breitbart, that's when you had to choose sides. In taking on Fox, Bannon and Trump were inciting the kind of conflict Breitbart's readers thrived on. She is a low life. Everyone stop. We watching. need to chop her off at the knees. 
Do not look at the comments section. These things are getting 10 and 15,000, 20,000 comments. Mega's the type for a quickie in the men's room. The whole Trump, all the Pepe's, all these Trump guys were pounding in here. Kelly needs to be put in her place, fast and hard. Like it was scary at times. Why we like Trump. And Breitbart kept lighting the fire over and over. And, you know, I had and have three young kids, really young kids, and the security threats were escalating. Uh, and we were doing everything in our power to convey to them that they needed to stop. It was, a, it was one debate question, just one debate question. And he handled it fine. You know, he did. So get off of it. And they couldn't have cared less. Roger Ailes ran Fox News. Ruthless and powerful, Ailes was a force to be reckoned with. Ailes calls me up. I said, you got to knock off these stories. She's crying. She's all upset. She's getting death threats. It sounds like a personal problem. I said, we're not backing off. We're going we're gonna to put more stories up tomorrow. If Kelly can't take the heat, go back to the kitchen. Trump should commission a statue of Ms. Kelly on her knees and place it in front of Trump Town. Under the onslaught, Ailes eventually backed down. He needed Breitbart, Bannon, and Trump more than he needed Kelly. Roger definitely felt that he had to keep that sort of Breitbart wing of the viewership on board, that they were at risk, thanks to Trump's attacks on me and Fox in the wake of that debate. And, and he definitely wasn't going to lose 30% of the viewers, uh, as this man, who by August of 2015 we knew was the, the likely Republican nominee, he didn't want that guy to be driving a division between Roger and the viewers. Trump had won. And it was a sign of what was to come. Brutal, divisive, anything goes. What Republican voters were looking for was strength. And in that moment, here's what voters saw. They saw a generation of Republican politicians who kowtowed to Fox News, who genuflected. Then they saw somebody take on Fox News and Trump won. He broke Fox News. In the steel cage death match of Republican politics in that instant, Donald Trump became king. But across the political divide. For comedians, Donald Trump has been the gift that keeps giving, but for everyone else, he's the gift that keeps on giving women the creep. Entertainment I know everyone's all up in arms about the comments I made about Megyn Kelly. I was not referring to hormones or menstruation. Period. The kind of resistance by ridicule. Come on, Trump. If you're going to say something offensive, just come out and say it. Trump has a punchline. Trump insults more women by 6 a.m. than most people do. As Donald Trump embarked on his presidential campaign, he doubled down on what his opponents found offensive. He exploited simmering divisions to fuel his political rise. Trump has told me that he believes the country was already divided, that if he is just confrontational and a fighter, that people who feel aggrieved in the country will rally to him. It's an entirely unconventional 
approach to the presidency, to rally your own base and then to not really try to unite the country. No, 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 no. We didn't win an election to bring the country together. It's not time to bring the country together. It's time to take on the elites in this country, take the torch to them, hit them with a blowtorch. I love this country. Thank you. Thank you very much. I saw him not only then, but after he returned to Trump Tower that night. And the weight of the election, the, the processing of recognizing what was about to happen was clearly going through um, his mind at that time. You could... You could see how profound the moment was. I think there was a little bit of shock uh, uh, there, a moment of vulnerability. He said he was literally going to act more presidential than Abraham Lincoln. We laughed, but he meant it seriously. You know, he, he was going to dial back on Twitter, dial up on presidential nature, if you will. In his next public appearance, it was toned down Trump again in the Oval Office. No sign of the brutal divisiveness that had gotten in there. Well, I just had uh, the opportunity to have an excellent conversation with President-elect Trump. To see the two of them in the Oval Office was kind of the, you know, the final moment of how in the world did this happen and, and what have we just gone through? been very encouraged by the, I think, interest in President-elect President uh, Trump's I believe that it is important Trump to all of us. is totally disinterested in the gravity of the job he's walking into. Just doesn't care, you know. Ben Rhodes was one of Obama's closest aides. You know, I think for Obama, it was like a gut punch. Obama's seeing this meeting as an opportunity. I need to tell him about all these things, you know, how healthcare works in this country, the North Korean threat, what's going on with Iran. And Trump is totally disinterested at any of this. Um, didn't even care. In front of the cameras, the reality TV star smiled and tried out his new role. And, uh, we were just going to get to know each other. We had never met each other. Uh, I have great respect. The meeting lasted for almost an hour and a half. And it could have, as far as I'm concerned, it could, could have gone on for a lot longer. The Trump who came to the Oval Office on November 10th, two days after Election Day, seemed like a very different Donald Trump. He spoke very respectfully of President Obama, who he had questioned whether it was a legitimate president to the birther issue, but here he was saying he greatly admired President Obama. So for someone who's just heard Trump talk in the campaign, it seemed like an out-of-body experience. I look forward to being with you many, many more times in the future. Thank you, sir. idea for a brief moment uh, that he was about to pivot. He was about to be quote-unquote presidential. He would show us all that he was capable of, of, of uniting America and speaking to everybody at once. But before long, the anger, resentment, conflict that had put Donald Trump in power would return. It erupted after one decisive meeting. Between the president-elect and president-elect Trump is about to get all the that day, the powerful leaders of the intelligence community to Trump Tower. They came, evidence in hand, to convince the president-elect the Russians really had interfered in the election.
shades for what could be a day of fireworks here at Trump Tower. He came to identify the question of the Russian intervention in the election as a questioning of his own election as president. And so he, from the very beginning, refused to treat this in the way that I think any other president would have, which is as a serious attack on the U.S. and its election integrity, but chose to view it in very personalized terms. The officials say they'll present him with classified material. And it only got more personal. After the briefing, FBI Director James Comey spoke to Trump privately. Comey pulls the president aside, and he tells him, Hey, listen, uh, I need you to know that there's this, what is it, we now call the dossier. The dossier. Verified and sensational allegations prepared by a former British spy, partially paid for by the Democrats. It was political dynamite. Russian regime has been cultivating, supporting, and assisting Trump for at least five years. It's full of things that may be able to allow the Russians to blackmail him. It has information about him involved in perverted sexual acts. To exploit Trump's personal obsessions and sexual perversion in order to obtain suitable compromise, compromising material on him. After the meeting, the president-elect was furious. Trump is talking to his top aides. And he views this as blackmail. It's a shakedown, he tells them. His assumption is that Comey is giving this to him to show him that he's got something on him. Then news of the briefing leaks. CNN has learned that the nation's top intelligence officials provided information to President-elect Donald There's a controversial move by BuzzFeed last night, publishing a dossier... Now, before long, the entire dossier was online. But they have been detailed by numerous media outlets, including BuzzFeed... Trump's chief strategist, Steve Bannon, told the President-elect he knew what was going on. Bannon himself had used Breitbart to wage harsh right-wing attacks. Now, Bannon said, the mainstream media was going after Trump. This is what scumbags the mainstream media are, and how gutless they are. Buzzfeed, Buzzfeed, the standard of excellence in journalism in our country, prints the dossier, the link. And I said, here it goes, because then the New York Times, Washington Post, it's a bang, 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 bang. They're reporting this was given to the president, right? It wasn't even president, and already Trump was under siege. The president-elect must have concluded that the press was going to be an adversarial confrontational force even before he took office, and that the press had sources that could undermine him, sources that knew what he was doing, even if he was privately meeting with the FBI director. Uh, I think that set the tone for what was to follow. Now it was back to what Trump did best. At a press conference the very next day, gave his base what they had come to expect. He attacked. I think it was uh, disgraceful, disgraceful, that the intelligence agencies allowed any information that turned out to be so false and fake out. He expresses frustration. He knows it's a setup. He knows it's a plot to destroy him and people around him. And that's something that Nazi Germany 
would have done and did do. I think it's a disgrace. Trump, I think because of the dossier and the leak of the dossier, was so furious that he just came out and lashed out at everybody. And I think that sort of set the tone for the entire administration, to be honest. That information that was false and fake and never happened got released to the public. I think that was a signal to everybody, certainly to me and the rest of the media, that this was the Trump we were going to get in the White House. That it wasn't going to be any sort of a reset. It was going to be the angry, same, the same Trump that was out there in the campaign, campaign trail. Could you give us a question? Conspiratorial fears he called the deep state. There's a, a permanent class of federal employees that don't necessarily agree or voted for this president, um, that aren't thrilled to see him in power. They're working internally against the president. Trump's war with the deep state began with FBI Director James Comey, the man who had delivered the dossier and was investigating Russian election interference. Unable to get him to back down, Trump fired him. Breaking news, James Comey has been removed from heading of the FBI. This is a statement... TV news helicopters were waiting as Comey left the FBI field office in Los Angeles. This is a very closely kept secret here at the White House. I am told only a handful of... Trump has finally fired FBI Director Comey. This when the guy, president fired Jim Comey, there was an explosion, a huge eruption in the media and the country. You started hearing Donald Trump compared to Richard Nixon. This was another Saturday Night Massacre. This was another Watergate. Firing Comey, though, has drawn comparisons to President Richard Nixon's Saturday Night this Massacre. This is a, a moment where you really understand the feedback loop that Trump kind of thrives on. I make a decision, and then I'm able to immediately go and watch the reaction. Stunning news, even for President Trump, who has been known to shock people. This is a president using his power to prevent himself falling under the justice system that we all have to deal with. The bombshell announcement, something that was completely unexpected to anyone. What are the talking heads saying about this? How is it being framed? How is it being covered by the media? Trump would escalate the conflict. In a campaign cell rally, a defiant President Trump. Rallying his base against the media. Back in his happy place. The Justice Department. And the FBI. See them marching with torches, and it looked like something out of Nazi Germany. Neo-Nazis and white nationalist protesters were forming protesting plans to remove the statue of Robert E. Lee. Former Ku Klux Klan leader David Duke praised President Trump. We are determined to take our country back. We're going to fulfill the promises of Donald Trump. That's what we believed in. That's why we voted for Donald Trump. Also arriving, counter-protesters determined to confront the white nationalists. was a clash between these forces. Forces of these far-right groups and then counter-protesters. Folks who say, why are there Nazis in our streets? We're going to go get them out. Armed right-wing militia arrived. Hour by hour, the tensions grew. Violent clashes between white supremacists and counter-protesters broke out earlier today. Time again, videos. Far right protests beating black attendees of the counter protest. Charlottesville, under siege. As police and right here.
here try to restore calm. And then the unthinkable.
You had people. I'm a reporter who has reported on race for a long time, and I never would have imagined the person in the office of the president um, calling people who go to a Nazi rally very fine people. But you had many people in that group other than neo-Nazis and white nationalists, okay? Thank you all very much. Thank you. What about the Nazis who support you? It's probably the first time where the country realizes this is going to get bad. And it is the beginning of a time in America where people um, realize that America is not just a place where racist ideals can exist, but it's a place where racist ideals can be fueled by the White House. He is about division. His, his presidency is predicated on that. He wants division. He craves it. He, he enjoys uh, finding seams and, and, and driving right into them. You know, There's no fight he doesn't want to be part of. Uh, and there are plenty of fights he'd like to start. The fight is the goal. It's, 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 uh, um, there's no reward from his point of view in unity. There's a reward in fighting. President Trump is being criticized by fellow Republicans for being too... Some Republicans broke ranks and came out against him. White supremacy, bigotry, and racism have absolutely no place in our society. And no one, especially POTUS, should ever tolerate it. Mr. President, you can't allow hashtag white supremacists to share only part of blame. There's no moral equivalency between racists and Americans standing up to defy hate and bigotry. I reacted in a way that most of my colleagues did as well, that this was uh, not where a president should be. This was a layup. This was easy. <laughs> you know, if there's white supremacy in any form, you condemn it. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the easy thing to do, and he, and he didn't. And thought, oh, man, uh, that, that's really drilling down on the base. With that statement, it sent a signal to some of the most intolerant elements in the country, in our country, American citizens who are racist, that he was listening to them, that he respected that point of view, um, that he wasn't going to walk away from them. And, um, and that's, that's been a lasting message out there. President Trump is holding a Make America Great Again rally. In President Asia. Trump had been compiling an enemy's so list. The campaign style of it tonight. The media, the FBI, and now Republicans who weren't sufficiently loyal. If you're an elected Republican, um, Donald Trump has made it clear that if you go against him, he's going to go against you, and you will pay a price for that. And we saw it in any number of individual cases, and it doesn't take very many of those. I mean, all it takes is two or three of those cases for people to get the message that, um, that there is enormous risk if you go against the president. One example, Arizona Republican Senator Jeff Flake, who had emerged as a Trump critic. Well, I'm thrilled to be back in Phoenix, in the great state of Arizona. As always, Trump would attack, rallying his base against Flake. They all said, please, Mr. President, don't mention any names. So I won't. I won't. It's about going to the base to demonstrate how 
popular it is to be with the president, particularly in Jeff's own state. And nobody wants me to talk about your senator, who's weak on borders, weak on crime, so I won't talk about it. No, I will not mention Very presidential, isn't it? Very presidential. When the president of the United States rolls in, and you have a rally that has thousands of people in it, Jeff pays attention. For Donald Trump, everything's about Donald Trump. You're either for Donald Trump or you are against Donald Trump. And he wants to, he wants to encourage everybody to see it his way. So he, he steps into all of these uh, and makes his voice heard and makes his muscle felt. It was effective. Flake's own voters turned on him. I think he knew uh, at that time that I was out of step uh, with a lot of the Republican base, that, uh, that he represented more of their feelings uh, than I did. We will make America great again. Thank you, Arizona. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Flake understood what it meant. His Senate career was over. Senator from Arizona. I decided to, to pull the pin. None of my colleagues knew it at that point. I told a few of them they may want to come to the floor. But anger and resentment are not a governing philosophy. The impulse to scapegoat and belittle threatens to turn us into a fearful, backward-looking people. In the case of the Republican Party, those things also threaten to turn us into a fearful, backward-looking minority party. I think there was relief among a lot of, of, of members of the Republican Party. Finally, somebody was coming out in the open and saying this because, on some level, this is what most of them felt. And they'd been afraid to say it. They'd been afraid because they were afraid of Donald Trump. They'd been afraid because they were afraid that his base would defeat them in the party primary the next time they were up for the election. As Blake walked off the floor, he left the other Republicans with a choice. He's basically drawing a line. If we are going to be a successful conservative party, uh, we have got to turn away from what Donald Trump is doing to us and the way he is leading us. Uh, it's kind of a moment of truth for the Republican Party. What kind of a party is this going to be? Uh, who's going to lead this party? But Flake soon discovered there would be no Republican insurrection. There isn't a rush to stick up for Jeff Flake or side him. Everyone just kind of stays on the sidelines and wants to stay out of it. Uh, a lot of, when you would talk to someone, what did you think about Jeff Flake? Oh, I didn't see what he said. You know, I missed it. I was in a meeting. Like, there wasn't um, much ruminating on his decision. We have a guts and courage crisis in American politics. We have politicians who go to great effort to get elected, to go to Washington, not to fight for principles or causes, but to see who can be the best bootlicker. The president had won. Jeff Flake thought he was going to raise his profile to the point where he would have an opportunity to be something bigger than what he is. And what happened? He made a terrible calculation. He went against Donald Trump, who's a proven winner, and now Jeff is a guy who also used to be a U.S. senator. Two more GOP congressmen announcing that they will not seek re-election in a everybody, Joseph Gibson, podcasting your understanding of the times in which we live today. All right, obviously, we don't have to get into politics of all this, uh, but uh, 
you know, there's the, the great divide that the uh, Donald Trump supposedly created. I think, and we talked about this last night, division can create unity and strength because you have to you have to you have to admit there's a problem and you have to fight it head on. The Republicans, as you just heard right there, they want to cower down. You know, and that's what they've done. And that's what the conservative movement's all about today. They got no backbone. They've got no uh bravery. They don't want us to now I'm not talking about constitutionalists, I'm talking about the conservatives out there, the conserve wanna conserve things of uh, the Republican Party. Uh that the the George Bushes, the uh the uh you know, uh, you go before that even uh uh Nixon was all right there, but he was like the last of the Mohegans there and then they got rid of him. You know, Reagan you know, uh, Reagan, when he first started, he was, uh, you know, he captured everybody's hearts and minds, and uh, then they shot him, and, you know, he kind of, like, went a little crazy there, and if you remember all those Reagan uh, funny commercials or whatnot, but, you know, Reagan, everyone loved Reagan, everybody loved the 80s, so, you know, but what are you going to do? And then George Bush, we know about George Bush, like I said, uh, well, Daddy George Bush, he was a New World Order thug, uh, you know, he was not a hero, he was no leader. George Bush, he was just a, a typical stiff suit-and-tie maggot like a lawyer and anyone else out there that just lies and, and uh, the, the upper echelon of society and don't care about you, and, and that's what he was. Trump was more or less a, uh, an entertainer and someone in your face and says it like it is, and that's what we needed, somebody that would say it like it was. And he understood business. He did understand business and how it worked. I believe that the Washington gridlock and the corporation, uh, the de facto, can't. No one president can undo all that in four years. There's just no way Trump could have restored any republic or anything in four years. I don't think he could have did it in eight years. You know, it would take a long time, and especially when you have a monetary system that's controlled by the New World Order. You have the Federal Reserve banking cartel. You have uh, overseas offshore owners of our money that dictates how much your car payment's going to be. How can you possibly, possibly restore your republic when you're bartering goods with slave wages, slave money, money that's owned by someone else, that we're all chasing that money because we love it so much and we got to have it. you got to have it. I mean, you, you can't survive without money, and we'll kill each other for it. We'll beat each other over the head. We'll sell ourselves out for it. We'll sell our brother and sisters out for it. And, and people will do anything for that money, and they've convinced us of that. And how can you get that money? Well, you can become an entertainer. You can sell your soul now to Hollywood. You know, or you can get a microphone and like American Idol and dance on stage and act like a jerk, an idiot. You know, everything rejecting, everything rejects goodness and honesty, hard work, and God, and, and, and country, and what our foundations are, are all about today. And that's what has happened. We've been hijacked, and we've allowed it to happen because we became complacent with the things that we have and the people we are. We're all guilty of it in one way, shape, or form, somehow, of something that is, uh, you know, caters to the system. Not one of us can stand up against the entire system itself because one person is not going to change the world or change America. And that's a fact. And Donald Trump, and everyone keeps looking to Trump as like he was this one that was going to change everything. And that's not the truth. 
you know. And if you missed the beginning of the podcast here, we played George Lincoln Rockwell, a similar type of uh, – I, I tried to get into some Trump speeches there, but it just didn't, uh, didn't have them. But, uh, you, know, they, you know, look, how do we fail? We, why do we keep failing? Truth itself cannot defeat everything. Truth cannot. The only way we're going to defeat this thing is by studying, paying attention, and hard work. Nothing comes easy. Nothing comes easy in life. Nothing is going to be given to you. And it's just a fact. You're not going to be uh, uh, just handed everything. And that's like our freedom. Our freedom is not going to be granted to us and, and given to us freely. Freedom has a price. Our founding fathers fought for our freedom, gave us a republic, and we are not fighting to keep it. We're not fighting because we think that it's automatic, which your rights are unalienable, and they're there and whatnot. But you have to go out there, and you've got to do what I'm doing and everyone else is. A lot of other people are doing. Uh, you know, you have to play your part. Not one, you know, you, everyone can point fingers saying, well, you do this, you don't do this, you don't do that, you do this, you do this. Look, all of us have a certain part. We're, we're, we're parts in the machine. We're a spoke in the wheel, you know, and we all have our part to do something and play our part. And when you, when you have a business, it's like you have certain positions. Everybody has a position and everybody has to do it. You can't have all chiefs, okay, you have, and you have to have more Indians. And the problem is, is that we don't have that today. Everybody's problem is the end of the world, and everybody else, everybody is, one person is important, and your problem is everybody else's problem, and that's you know or, or, you know it's just it's it's maddening when you analyze the 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 uh, breakdown of uh, society and uh, the moral fabric of our country, and we all see it. And we're all and anyone who listens to this podcast show or anybody calls in, you know exactly where I'm coming from and you understand it because you heard it all before. But what are we doing to stand up and? come together to fix it and change it. I think in the beginning there when I played Rockwell, now look, and then you're going to have people messaging me in between here. I'm reading the messages from last night too, but I'm reading the ones from tonight. Uh, why are you going to play that Nazi? You know, or racist, you know, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because good advice can come from anyone. You know, it's what is said to motivate people to do the right thing. And everything he pretty much said was right on target anyway. You know, why? I mean, just because he's talking about white rights, so what? You know, if I had someone up here talking about, which I have had uh, people talking about black rights, then what? That's okay? That's okay? You see? That creates what you're talking about that we're supposed to stop. And, and, and it doesn't. You know, you're making it worse. And it's these communist, liberal minds that are destroying America today. They're destroying it. They're destroying it. The liberals are destroying it with their. We had one call in last night. the The word "fag" offends him. Why would you be offended by that word? It's just a word. So what? What offends me is uh, people like you create uh, leaving our uh, talking about our borders being wide open, just taking anybody in, and and not you know not having no uh, wall, not having any border security. That offends me. So what do you know? What has more common sense? So, anyway, phone number six five seven three three zero six one six. I'm going to check the boards here. I haven't been over checked them uh, here in a little while. It's been a little while, uh, about forty, I think about thirty, thirty, forty minutes. So let me check those out and get to them here. Hang on. Uh, 
Let me see anybody press number one who wants to talk. All right, here we go. First private caller, go ahead. Hey, Joe, how you doing? All right. Cool, cool. Um, I wanted to know, uh, the person you had the other day, uh, the governor, what's his name? Yeah, that's Jim Carpenter. Jim Carpenter, yeah, because I was trying to find, and um, and I just kept getting uh, some some gay guy. Yeah, well, he's not gay. The, uh, I can show you that, but he he gave you the website on the podcast show. He gave you the website to to find him. Uh, what so, was it? Uh, I off the top of my head, I don't have it here in front of me, but it's in my notes. Uh, I can't and remember every website. Again? You know, and his name again, Jim Carpenter. Uh, his name is Jim Carpenter. Jim Carpenter. Yes. Oh, okay. Cool, cool. Well, you can you All can right. contact cool. him if you're trying to contact him and ask a question, then you can go to the Republic of the United States of America dot org. And it's right there. Republic oh, okay. of the United States of America dot org. Yeah. It's there. Don't trust the All internet. Right. You cool. should know better than that. The internet the internet will take you anywhere. You could search for a pizza now nowadays and end up in the Philippines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Know? That's right. You yeah. ever know Papa John's? Right. Try ordering a pizza from Papa John's lately? Uh, you order a pizza from Papa John's, you're talking to somebody in the Philippines. They, they want your name, Social Security yeah, number, blood type. <laughs> hey, um, hey uh, have you heard uh, what the, the vaccine, I was watching uh, the Alex Jones show, like earlier, yeah. and he had a video of uh, five doctors, and one of the doctors was the one that uh, created, um, I forgot what he created, but he said, that there's 41 trillion nanobots inside that, like vaccine. And really? He says, uh, yeah. He said that uh, uh, that uh, 25% stays on the arm, and the rest goes into uh, the bloodstream. And when it tries to go into the smaller veins, that's where you get uh, the blood clots. And really? Then, wow. um, yeah, and then it ruins the lungs, and from the lungs, the heart. So, wow, that's yeah, scary. Don't, that's don't you think that's pretty scary? I mean, even if it's not true, oh, if it's yeah. conspiracy theory, if whatever, you know what I mean, whatever, whatever it may be. But just the allegations alone would kind of be like, hey, I'm not sick right now. Why, do I, why should I even freaking take a chance? You know what I mean? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> cool, oh, man. man. Um, cool talking to you, man. Uh, All right, thank you, thank you. All right, thank you. I'll put it back on me for you. All righty. All right, anybody else? Press the number one, please. I'll get you on unscreened, uncensored. Uh, I saw a couple of you there in there real quick there that wanted to get in, then you dropped. I don't know what's going on. Uh, I guess maybe you were in a rush or you got a phone call or something. I don't know. There was three of you on there that wanted to talk. But uh, talking about the vaccine is... uh, uh, it's scary, man. It's, it's scary stuff. This vaccination stuff. I mean, if it's if I mean, you can't believe what you see on the internet. I get that. I get all that and everything. But at the same time, you know, what if it's true? I mean, I I'll be honest. I tell you right now, uh, and I swear to you, this is the truth. I knew a guy that took the vaccine. He was older, and he was healthy. And this guy was working out at the gym. He was perfectly uh, healthy, good shape. He got the vaccine three days later, dead. Explain that to me. Explain that to me, please. You know, how did it happen? You know, obviously it was the vaccine, I would say. I mean, you know, the guy, you know, I mean, well, maybe something else. Maybe something. It could have been something else. Maybe, you know. No. 
Uh, you know, I mean, and I'll testify that it's actually happened to a couple people that I do know that uh, through somebody else, I, friends of mine that I, I've run into, I ran into a guy at a gas station. He said, yeah, I said, you still working for Paul over there? He goes, oh, no, he died. I said, wow, he died? Really? No, he was an older guy, but I said, why? He goes, vaccine. So, you know, I mean, so it's, why not? Listen, and they're pushing this thing hard. Everywhere you go, I mean, look how they got it set up. You go to CVS or wherever, they got these buildings already set up right next to it to get you vaccinated in and out, you know, staff on on hand. They got staff readily available, but like, why don't you get that staff in there and go bag groceries or something? You know, you know what I mean? They're just standing out there in the parking lot waiting with a clipboard for you. I mean, come on, man. This tells you something's up. It's got to, That's got to ring. I mean, use common sense here, you know. But the great divide, America divided. All right, next private caller here. I see one one just popped back up here. Go ahead, private caller. Yeah, unmuted, private caller. No, I'm sorry. I'm self-muted there. How you doing, Joe? Oh, okay. How you doing, Sarge? Uh, good, good. Uh, did you, I posted a link to an article about a Minnesota woman, oddly enough, from Nigeria, uh, her name was or is Jumani Nachi. Her husband's Philip Nachi. They were born in Nigeria. They came to the U.S. They settled in Minneapolis a few years ago. They were working with the Southern Baptists to, uh, to plant churches among the African expatriate communities living in the Minneapolis. They left because of the Boko Haram terrorist group who were really after them, and they ended up in Minneapolis as missionaries with the Southern Baptists. This woman worked in a clinic um, this, uh, that was, uh, she was a medical assistant in a clinic in Minneapolis, and they told her that her job told her she had to take the COVID vaccine. She complied, and then immediately after getting the second injection, she started to experience chest pains at work. Oh, Things God. went downhill after that. She got blood clots which is a known side effect of the Pfizer COVID shots. They were found in her heart. She's now had both of her legs amputated, and she's oh also my Lord. had both of her hands amputated. Oh, my God. How would you like to live I like that? Link oh. to, I put a link to the article in the chat room. I accidentally posted it twice, but it's the same link. And uh, you can go up there and look at it yourself and draw the appropriate conclusions. Um, look, you know what I think part of the problem that we're dealing with with regard to this whole situation that all of us decry is that we are facing a war on multiple fronts. The enemy is attacking on multiple fronts. We don't have enough reserves to plug all the gaps in the breakthroughs. So I think what we're going to have to do, given that there's so much assaulting us, we're just going to have to look at some things that are absolutely a focus, and we're going to have to prioritize that focus. Now, for me, I think the main threat we face right now is this threat of censorship, when you can't even get information out to people. For me, that's just about the biggest, yeah. followed, by, followed by the invasion at the southern border. I think that is another tremendously, overwhelmingly destabilizing event. This notion of simultaneously, perhaps, 
one you pick you take your pick is which one is more important. This critical race theory, this racial identity politics, and this explosion of crime in blue states and blue cities. And then finally, yep. the homosexual fascist agenda concurrently with the COVID vaccine fascist agenda. I think those five things, out of the infinite number of attacks upon our culture, our way of life, and our country, are probably the biggest. Now, I'm willing to listen to others, and there are so many, it's almost impossible to list them all. But I think those are the five most pressing and the five worst. What do you say, Sarge, to this? Well, this is a scenario. I'm going to apply this to every, everybody. Can then can can feel uh, in the conversation here, because uh, if they don't know about the things you're talking about, what do you say about, for instance, remember the lady I had on the podcast show from Springfield, uh, Missouri? Her son was murdered. They, these people who are fighting these battles, you know what I mean? Those battles are battles that are consuming another patriot. That obviously that she has to, you know, she all her time is reserved in fighting that. You know, and, and that's happening to hundreds of thousands of people across America right now or anywhere around the world, maybe millions around the world, that consume their energy in fighting those individual battles that don't really concern you and I but will affect us later on down the road, but don't concern you and I, but like I said, affect us. You know what I mean? Um, you know, because uh, it's corruption. But those battles of corruption really take away from the forefront of what we're trying to do on a on a on an international or national level, or fixing co- uh, corporate government and restoring our republic or our constitution, you know, I mean, that don't you agree? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, look, uh, certainly individuals are going to take things that affect them directly and personally. I believe you're speaking of the woman whose son was killed by the uh, DEA agent. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, she came on and was wanted to tell her story. Yeah, yeah with well, Jumex, she was yeah. a wonderful spokes advocate for her son. I mean, I was really impressed by her. Yeah, uh, yeah of course, she, that was literally personal in the most intimate of ways. Her son being yeah. killed. So I would expect her to devote most of her energies to dealing with that. I mean, I wouldn't expect anything else. But I think to, the, what, to, to, to what I spoke to earlier, that is part and parcel of crime. I mean, police yeah. officers doing crime is crime. Criminal mm-hmm. activity is criminal no matter who does it, whether it's a cop, whether it's a private citizen, or whether it's a group or organization doing crime. Especially are, we really seeing, are, crime. are we really seeing a spike in crime across the country? Because I went to 1974. Yes. Yes, and 19, it's actually well, 1974, measured. hang on, hang on. It's in Chicago, let's use that as an example, the thing with Chicago. In 1974, Chicago's crime was worse. Their murder rate jumped over 1,000 for the year, their homicide rate. you know. Uh, and, and, and you look at the graph, it goes up and down, up and down. So, you know, it's just, it's just the cycles. You know, crime is up right now in the cities, okay? They'll get a grip on it, and it'll go back down again, you know? I mean, I, I'm, just, I'm just throwing that out there as devil's advocate. You but know what here's I mean? what is different. This is what's different today. It is coupled with an attempt to defund the police in many venues. That didn't happen before. Okay. Now, you well, might have had an point. inadequate um, um, allocation of resources, maybe incompetence, maybe corruption. But what you didn't have was a relentless and concerted assault upon the very notion of policing itself. So what we've got here is, 
in this situation is we've got that coupled with an increase, and it's all localized. It's not like it's nationwide. It isn't. Anybody tries to get that impression is either uninformed or they're trying to mislead you. Look at where it's occurring. It's occurring yeah. in the areas that are specifically attacking the police. It ain't no coincidence. Yeah, or Democrat, liberal, liberals uh, exactly. attacking. Exactly. Uh, I mean, yeah. uh, yes, you do have to analyze the problem, and you just can't make a facile blanket statement and say, "Oh, this covers all the bases." Uh, uh-uh. uh, it doesn't. Yeah, I know you can't. Yeah, you, know, yeah. you got to look at it. You got to analyze and see why it is. And yes, there have been times when the numbers were far worse. Look at New York, for God's sake. You had on yeah. average of New York during the mayoralty of David Dinkins, you had on average over 1,500 murders a year. Wow. Under the mayoralty of Rudy Giuliani, he brought it down to slightly over 300 on average for the years of his mayoralty. They shut him up, didn't they? They shut him no, up. Oh, didn't they, they, though? And see, but then we were told that we weren't supposed to pay attention to it, and the numbers didn't really mean what they seemed. It's amazing the way they do this. You know, like, you talk about gaslighting. Who are you going to believe, me or your lying eyes? (laughs) 1,500 down to just over 300. Hmm, is that a substantial decrease? Yes or no? Yes. But no, you can't. Because after all, that's not really what it seemed. It was a changing economic situation. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. broken windows. Oh, do you that? It was racism, too. And he did it with illegal Terry stops. See, these people are diabolical. They really yeah. are. They want to fundamentally transform every major institution in this country. I mean, and they're not going to get rid of the police. The police they're going to have are going to be devoted to them. They will be their version of secret police. It will be their own police. They will have their own police. There's not going to be no police. Look at the way they're using the Department of Justice against Trump's allies. Yeah. No, I I, I 100%. I can't argue with you. That's why I played that America's Great Divide there. I may do that tomorrow night, part two of that. I'll play something from the 50s, you know, Rockwell era, McCarthy, something like that, and then communism, how it's invading our, our, the grips of our country, and then, uh, you know, come up to the 2020-21, you know, we'll get into the Biden election there, the election fraud, you know. What's going on with the fraud? Anything down there in Georgia? Any news from uh, your county uh, there? Uh, you know, out? right now um – Everything's in, like, uh, judicial administrative limbo. We're waiting for the next steps to take place. Now, because the audit mean? now is trying to re- get its results entered into court. And you, know, you know how that goes. <coughs> Excuse me. Gridlock. Gridlock. Yeah, you know yeah. how that goes. Gridlock. Administrative, administrative uh, gridlock. That's what that means. Yeah. No Lies. matter what, even if things go normally. This is going to take some time to get into the courts, even normal, under normal procedures. But we know we have active groups attempting to stymie and block it. They don't yeah. even want audits to occur in many of these states. I know. I know. I know. I agree with you. I agree. Uh, Arizona well, just did their recount. Result, unless we're going to start a revolution or something, we're going to have to wait for the process to go through and push it as hard as it can be done. 
Uh, I'm not advocating this right now, but I'm just saying that what I played earlier from someone else's mouth is the fact that the only way is that you have to stand up and you're going to have to fight. You know, I mean, you, you, I mean, there's just no other way around it. You're not going to change anything by, by uh, the just the truth alone. The truth will not set you free in a system that's conscripted, conscripted of lies, uh, deceit, money, uh, selling out, uh, uh, and, and and violence. You know, violence. There's a lot of violence towards uh, each other. And that's we not got gonna, a system that's that is actively hostile to the truth. I learned this to my great dismay, and I have completely had, you know, those epiphanous moments you can talk about when you totally change your outlook on the world, when it came to Barack Obama, his natural-born citizen eligibility, and more crucially, his fabricated birth certificate, and the fact that we had it forensically proven to be a counterfeit, we forensically proved it with the most esteemed, Forensic document analysis in the world, practically, ones that were used by the Democratic National Committee in particular, and we had it trying to get it in the court, and we were just unable to have it examined. Texas A&M professor. Moment for me, because I began to, I just began to realize the enormous forces of corruption that are involved in protecting these elites. It is almost unimaginable. Well, listen, the, the, the FDA, you know, we were talking about this, and ex, the experimental mRNA shot, they're, they're pushing on the public. I believe this is a very hot topic that we have to wake people up as much as possible because this is, what's, this is what they're coming after us with. You can see the train coming. You know, there are regulatory decisions that say COVID-19 testing is only for sick people. That's not being followed because people are doing it for uh, asymptomatic people. Uh, you know, uh, this is from a Texas A&M uh, professor. The vaccines have been offered as an elective offering, and then they quickly mandated them. So we're seeing things off their underpinnings right now. There's something going on in the minds of people. Uh, there, there's almost a worldwide, uh, uh, you know, neuro, like a, uh, like they know what's going on. People can sense it, but they're being duped, you know, into this thing. And this distorted thinking uh, of, is, is rooted in fear, distrust, rooted in anxiety, and it's spreading all over the world, making individuals come up with uh, uh, this, this, uh, this ridiculous decisions to go ahead and just get it. Because you're not thinking clearly, think clearly. You know, uh, uh, you know, fear-based mindset by the world's medical institutions will lead to several years of turmoil until the public regains trust in the medical community. This thing is going to destroy the medical community, and this is where the United Nations and, they, and everything can come in and forcibly inoculate us. Well, I got two shots of the Moderna, and I did it without. And I did it based upon my own reasoning. I wasn't pressured. I looked at all the factors involved and decided, okay, I'll get it. But I say to anyone, if you don't want to take that damn thing for any reason whatsoever, I don't care if it's religious, I don't care if it's medical, I don't care if it's because you just don't trust them, I don't care what the reason is, Nobody on God's green earth has the right to force you to. That's right. Anybody want to join in the conversation, press 1-657-383-0616, unscreened, uncensored. 
if you want to make a comment or uh, you want to talk about something, I saw a few of you up there that pressed one during the uh, the documentary there that I played, and uh, then you hung up and you called back in and we started talking, you hang up. So you know, if you want to get in here, then press the number one. I don't screen callers. I put you on live, but if you come out the side of your neck, something smart, then I'm going to hang up on you right away. You know, but. Uh, uh, let me go uh, take this one here. Just put his hands up. Go ahead, private caller. Go ahead there. Hi, this is Jeremy from Spectrum Internet, You owe $723. Right, there we go. There we go. Okay, there we go. You say they, they – as soon as you put the invitation out there, they you offer somebody to speak here on the worldwide platform. They have to waste the, the t- time. They got to – and we're talking about serious issues here that affect them too, even affect the bottom dwellers that are the moon bats out there that don't know anything about nothing. And, uh, you know, it affects them. This affects them. They should learn. And if they think they know it all, they don't. And I don't know it all either. And I'm certainly not here trying to uh, tell people what to do. I'm just trying here to help understand the times in which we live today. Sarge, go ahead. Yeah, like we said, um, Joe, this this is so, like I said, there's, there's an attack against everything. Real, I mean, normal Americans believe it's an attack on every front. But you know one thing that I was encouraged by and kind of gave me a little bit of a, a, a cheer? Uh, Ashley Babbitt's mother, mother got a standing ovation at the Trump rally in Phoenix. At least okay. he's asking a question. A major political figure is asking the question, who killed Ashley Babbitt and why? A government yeah. agency in plain sight killed an American citizen, and have yet to publicly account for it. This is beyond belief. Yeah. I got uh, 352 here. I got 509. So I'm going to go to 352 first. 352, go ahead. Hello, Joe. Um, I do have a question here. Now, I know they uh, report the civilian uh, casualties uh, and the uh, people infected with the covid uh, but I have not seen anything about the military. I actually I don't have I don't know, but that's a good question though. It's something we got to look into. Because I know uh, we were we were in that Zoom conference many many months ago when, when we found the uh, uh, vaccine in the English lab there, yeah. and they've had that since 2012. And I believe yeah. that's been that's that's been the vaccine that was given to the military before the outbreak really started. It's a possibility, but uh, this vaccine. Well, I don't know if it's the same vaccine or not. It could be different now because the vaccine they're giving the, the American public, everyone's dying. You know, well, not everyone, right. but you know, and they say they claim forty-eight thousand people have been uh, have died in America from the vaccine. That's what I heard. Well, well you know, yeah. Well, Joe, you you got you got to remember um, when they patented that that patent that I believe that patent ran out in twenty nineteen. So that's why all these other companies were able to uh, jump on that COVID ban, uh, vaccine bandwagon. Well, I don't think a patent can run out. I don't think a patent can run out. I think if you patent yeah, something, it's never right. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean normal, normal patents have got a certain number of years where they, where they protect the, um, the founder or owner of it. Oh, like copyright? Well, who can figure copyright laws? I don't think anybody can figure out copyright laws, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> They're the most convoluted, twisted uh, things that uh, anybody can uh, uh, look into. But, 
Yeah, I agree. That's something we need to look into, the numbers of the military, though. Okay. Well, the, I'm all gonna, right. Yeah, I'm going to sit back and listen to the rest. All right. And, all right. Uh, thanks, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. All righty. Uh, let me take on uh, 509. Hey, Joe. It's Eddie. How are you doing? Sorry I'm late. No, oh, you're all right, man. You're all right. You missed a good one there in the beginning. I played Rockwell there for about 20 minutes uh, talking about communism, and really it kind of like uh, mirrors the times in which we live today. And then I played Trump, a Trump documentary, and now we're on to the, uh, you know, the, how they're attacking us, you know. Right. You know, uh, uh, how they're dividing us and destroying us. And basically, what's the answer sure. solution? How are we going to stand up against these people, fight and win? And Trump came mm-hmm. up – I mean, excuse me, Trump. Sarge came up with uh, – five areas uh, that we've got to stay focused on, you know, and uh, because our individual problems and uh, wars against individual problems are taking our energy away from the net, the, the big picture, you know? Sure, sure. I, I would agree with you there. I, I in, in regards to, um, pardon me for a second, <clears throat> Uh, in regards to Rockwell, I, I think the the reason why you know a lot of people are turned off uh, in regards to Rockwell, I'm talking about your your what I call normies, you know, normal people that you know believe that the government will never lie to you, believes that history isn't written by the victors. Uh, those people, um, I, I think the only reason why they can't get behind Rockwell <clears throat> is because he was an ardent supporter of Adolf Hitler and he used a swastika. Yeah. Now, if he didn't yeah, use he any that, of that, <laughs> people would have flocked to him like there's no tomorrow. And uh, I remember one of his uh, interviews he said that he gave where he was asked, well, you know, Mr. Rockwell, you know, you can't win with the swastika and Hitler. And Rockwell's response was classic, and he said, and I quote, well, can you tell me who's winning now without him? That, yeah, yeah. That, I, I did. I played that, actually. You know, I, I, that was, that's exactly – that's one of the speeches that I played today, actually. Can you tell me oh, how awesome. we're winning now? Because right now we're losing, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Now, one of the problems but, that I argue to people, because I've seen a lot of people over the years say, well, you know, you, you guys would gain more headway and more ground uh, if you gave up the swastika and, and this and that. <clears throat> and I'm against it, and the reason why I'm against it is this. <clears throat> I know – that if I if I start to support a group of people and I actively get involved with that group of people, and they're giving off to the public this perception, but then behind closed doors I find out, oh my God, I've been lied to. This is what they really are. I walk away from that. Yep. It's kind of like you're hoodwinking people, and it's like you know we're not trying to fool you or pull one over on you or pull a fastball, uh, because as Adolf Hitler said, truth fears no investigation. So why not be honest and upfront with your policies, your politics, and your agenda? That's right. That's right. You know, I'd rather have everyone that's being upfront and honest and direct, even if it's offending me or is hurting me or whatnot. This right. way I can become stronger, and then the truth will bring us together and bring, make us stronger to attack the evil. Because evil is nothing but deception, lies, and darkness, you know? It is. No doubt. No doubt. And, and there's, a, there's a lot of it. Uh, and, it, and it just seems like in, in today's world, you know, because hey, I'm, I'm not a Christian and I'm not a Catholic or nothing like that, but it, it just seems in today's world, um, people who commit horrible acts um, seem to get away with, in, you know, absolute impunity, uh, with no consequences, uh, no accountability of any kind. And if you're a good, morally righteous, upstanding person, congratulations, you're the new evil. 
Yes, that's absolutely correct. And you know for yourself as being uh, a national socialist uh, mm-hmm. that that you know they they people uh, you know attack you. They they don't they. And I think it's what, why do you think that is? Is it just ignorance, brainwashing, or they just are are truly <laughs> despicable people that are just don't understand truth? I, I think, Joe, honestly, it's a combination of all of the, the foresaid that you had just previously mentioned. Um, it, it's a lot easier um, to believe a lie and you know, live your day-to-day based on materialism, my job, you know, your, your status in society. Because in today's world, it seems like your status in society is measured by your wealth and what you own and how much influence you have over other people. Um, and so when you get confronted with the truth, most people bury their head up their ass and ignore it uh, because, like I just said, it's easier to believe a lie than it is to come face-to-face with the truth because if you, if you embrace the truth and you start doing your own homework and, and looking into things for yourself, not just Wikipedia or a high school teacher or a college professor told you so, so that must be true, um, it really – shakes your core foundation as an individual person because it's like, okay, if I've been lied to about something this serious my entire life from the day you go into you know, public education or private education or whatever to the moment you have that, that moment of clarity that alcoholics refer to, what else have you been lied about? What else yeah. has been lied to you? Because, you know, you know, when we were kids, we were told Santa Claus existed. Well, guess what? We got older. We found out that was bullshit. We were told the Easter Bunny was real. <laughs> yeah, right, right. You know, we, we were told the Easter Bunny is real. So we, yeah. we were able to prove that that's bullshit. The Tooth Fairy, the list goes on. So if it's something that minuscule and, and stupid that people are going to lie to you about – what else are they going to lie to you about? Now, the question could be, well, you know, when you're a kid, you're lied to about these things because it's with the best intentions. Well, don't you think that that's what the, the New World Order thinks about us, that what they're doing yes. to us is, quote, for the best intentions? Some yeah. of the most yeah. evil acts have been committed in world history with the best intentions. That's well said. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. And and you know what best intentions do this Easter Bunny and Santa Claus? What you do is that divides the family because it because you figure it it's a mental thing. It's a mental thing. It You've is. been lied to. You've been lied to. You know, and and right. like you said, it's all bullshit. You know, why would you no, tell your kids a lie? Go that happened to feeling. me. That <laughs> happened to me when I got older. Um, you know, my I, I told a lie to my parents when I was a teenager, and they were like, how dare you lie to us? And I looked at my mom and dad flat out the kitchen table, and I said, well, how dare you? You lied to me throughout my whole childhood. Does yeah. that make it right? <laughs> it's just like homosexuals. We were talking about homosexuals. They're getting, they get them, you know. They're living a lie. They think they were born with that. that uh, it's a disease now or something or a chemical thing. No. You know, no, no. It's a choice. It's a choice. It's and, a bad choice. And, in fact, my uh, my 16-year-old stepdaughter um, at, at 15, and even, even this year, she said the same thing. She sees it all the time in, in high school, um, even in middle school, that there were other kids uh, pretending uh, to be a homosexual because somehow they got a leg up. Uh, it, with their um, – what's the word? Their social peers, you, you yeah. could say, with the other student body, even though they've never been in any kind of homosexual activity, relationships, whatever. Um, but yet they say, well, I identify as one um, because now you, you seem to have other opportunities 
that lesser people don't get but should have. Exactly. Yeah, this identity thing, I identify as this. I identify as a tree, so therefore I want to live outside and stand outside in someone's <laughs> yard. You know, I mean, it's just, you know, it, 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 yeah, it's weak, feeble-minded, mindedness, you know? And, it is. Oh, man, it's crazy. It's, I got a, and it's a learned – <laughs> uh, I was going to say also it's it's a learned it's a learned behavior and it's a chemical imbalance in the brain. Um, nobody is. is born a homosexual, just like nobody is born a woman trapped in a man's body. That makes no sense, or vice versa, a man um, who thinks he's a woman trapped in a man's body. That, 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 it's not normal. <laughs> it's not normal. That's right. It's like somebody who murders or hurts innocent little children or does or does you know stuff like it's not normal. It's bad behavior. It's it's, it's criminal. And then that's why homosexuality was a crime. You know, that's Astotomy. right. It was a crime. But now you know we cater to them. You know, and oh, and if absolutely. they don't make a cake, you know, you you, you get sued. You know. So I, mean, I got a couple of me who want to chime in. Maybe I don't know, but I don't know. I got a couple of private callers. I always wary of those, but they might want to attack you, Eddie. I'm not sure, but we'll see. Go, uh, Bring go ahead, it the fuck on. <laughs> Bring it on. Four Lionel Richie tickets, please. There we go. There you go. But now we got. Now we got. There they go. Now the trolls start coming out of the woodwork. As soon as you mention homosexual, we start going after the homosexuals. You know. Is there anything why, you want to say? Why does he sound there? like? Um, why does he sound Jewish? <laughs> you know, like, like, oy vey. <laughs> Moonbat, right. Moonbat, Moonbat, Moonbat. All right, that, you managed to remember a word from the show tonight. Good job. Back to school now. Okay, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, Jay, you kind of start coming out. We had a couple of them on here. They ran away, though, right away. So, But, uh, you know, how about bringing something to the podcast of, of, of good conversation? I mean, they, see, this offends sure. people, though. This offends people that – and, that's and you know, so what? Who cares? Uh, you cannot be the police of speech. Speech, that's you know, right. nobody – you know what I mean? You have to be able to say what's on your mind. And, and like we were just talking about, tell it like it is. You don't want to be a deceiver. You don't want to wink, 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 and, and say, right. you know, well, you know, I kind of support it. You know, I kind of support homosexuality. No, no, right. it's wrong. I got another you, one here. He just came back on. Let's see here. Go ahead, private caller. Hey there, Joe. Uh, you know, back in the 50s, uh, people had that gay fade. It used to be called GRID. Uh, it used to be called Gay-Related Consistency Disease. I don't know if you do that. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah, that was uh-huh. uh, yeah. But then you had a lot of uh, the doctors uh, that were become gay, and uh, that's how the whole thing started with the gay movement. Well, I know my great grandmother used to call them morphodites. You know, so it was you know what I'd like to know. <laughs> hey guys, you know what I'd like to know yeah. is for you know homosexuals that seem to be you know calling into your show, Joe, with you know abundance, <laughs> but you know not wanting to contribute to anything. I, I would like to take it a step further for these people. <clears throat> you know, please explain to me what happened to you as a child to influence yeah. <laughs> your decisions now, because I can yeah. almost guarantee you. Ninety percent of these people were victims of child molestation, either by a family member or a family friend. These studies are easy to find, um, so it's not like I'm blowing smoke out of my ass. Um, and I would like these people to tell me, you know, just just what the hell happened to you uh, to as, as a child to make you as an adult decide, you know, you want to take it in the pooper. I, I'd like to know. <laughs> 
I don't I don't know why. I mean, I just think it's disgusting. I mean, it's just absolutely sick behavior. I mean, why would you I mean, I just don't I just ugh, I get the creeps just thinking about it, you know, how a man and a man, why do you want to delay with it? I mean, just don't, I don't know. I just I, ugh, I just don't get it. I just don't get well, it. I've got some theories. It's not natural. I've got some theories as as to why it's pushed uh, so hard, whether it be in public schools in Hollywood, uh, you know, et cetera. Because you know, when you look at the uh, the adult film industry, almost every single person who's a producer, executive producer, or owner of an adult film industry happens to be Jewish. I mean, it's it's a well known documented fact. Beast, and one yeah, of the yeah, things, reality too, is that yes, you know, you're talking about it as a kid, you know, right. And one of the things that I think, you know, one of the core driving principles behind homosexuality is, well, what does it do? If you like another man and you don't like women, well, congratulations. Now you've just destroyed the basic biological function of a family. Yep. Yeah, the family unit. Destroy the family. The family unit. You know, family strong. If a family unit is tight and strong, there's not nothing that can stop them because they help each other, they work together, Correct. and they're not, you know, and and they're moral, moral beliefs. Correct. You, you see that in the, the shows on TV now. There's no family mm-hmm. units anymore on the TV. Remember the shows years ago, The Waltons. Oh yeah. Uh, Little House on the Prairie. You know, stuff like that. You know, they, they oh, yeah. don't have shows like that anymore. It's all no, perversion. No, you don't. And, two guys, a queer eye for a straight guy, stuff like that. Friends, you know, a right. bunch of. Uh, Men and women living together, you know, stuff like that. You know, having affairs with each other, one sleeping with this one. Soap operas. That's what they did to the women during the uh, 80s and 70s. Women would stay home watching the soap operas, and that would entice go out and commit adultery. You know, so, you know, it's it's all television programming. That's what it's all about. And and you're right, Joe. You're right. And and that's why I think this is where the, the Me Too movement failed. Uh, horribly, and not just you know as a as a political influencer, but also um, in regards to women's you know safety and stuff, is um, how do I put this? Uh, you you look at uh, Hollywood films, right? Um, yep. And you want in like TV shows, Disney shows, you even go to Disney shows for that matter. And what they've done is they've taken women. And they have over-sexualized them to the point to where, you know, going to school or going out in public dressed like a prostitute is somehow fashionably acceptable. And yet they can't understand why there's high levels of rape outside the normal. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that rape is normal, people. By no means. I'm against it. I have the utmost respect for women, more so than most people. Um, But, you know, you're going to have that happen. But the question yeah. is, is why is it now higher than what it was? And, you know, a lot of these guys who do it, they say, well, she went out well, in I public and she was just room, asking for it. Yeah, Eddie, I got someone <laughs> in the chat room. He's just checking the chat room. He says, well, my parents were Jewish and that's offensive. Listen, all he's doing is pointing out the facts that most people in the entertainment industry that control it are – it's a fact. You could just look it up. It's not about bashing somebody. He's just telling Correct. a fact, you know, and those I mean, facts I, are I, facts. I can pull it up right now because I have my phone in front of me if, the, if this guy in the chat wants me to, and I can start naming uh, all the names of the producers and, and CEOs and vice presidents of the adult film industry, and I can guarantee you, with the exception of two, possibly, they're all going to be Jews. They're either going to have the name Gold, Silver, Stein, Horowitz, Berkowitz, Greenblatt, 
Goldberg. Those are going to be their names. And, and you know, and, it, and it's not anti-Semitic. See, this guy in your chat just proved my point. When it comes to the Jewish people, they are beyond reproach and beyond criticism. Because if you do, you're an anti-Semite. That's yeah, yeah, bullshit. And that's not, yeah, yeah, and that's just as guilty, and that's just being just as guilty as you want to claim a Nazi or a racist or whatever they're, like they're claiming what racist because you're stereotyping other people by speaking the truth. You're absolutely right. I got another private caller here. I think he wants to jump in here because I'm running out of time. But so let's bring him on. Maybe it might be him. I don't know. Go ahead, private caller. Hi, this is Farrar, and I'm tired of you bashing the gay community. And I also want four tickets to Lionel Richie. You owe me, son of a bitch. All right, all right, all right. Look, you, you, you know, the, the Lionel Rich, that's what they do, you know. I mean, but that is, but that is a homosexual, though. I think that is a homosexual. You're right. He, he goes around blog talk radio, you know, trolling shows, but it, he is one that – if you want to talk about – look, answer the question. What happened to you as a child that made you a homosexual? Can you answer the question? Right. You know? Hey, Joe. Yep, go ahead. If so you I want to read, ask him that question. Go ahead. Uh, I, well, I don't know. I'm not going to answer it, but look, if you want to read one of the interesting chapters in psychiatric and mental history, you might want to go back and research uh, 1973 when the American Psychiatric Association in its Honolulu meeting uh, decided to change the, um, what do they call it, the uh, Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. They decided to reclassify homosexuality from a mental illness into something else that wasn't a mental illness. It was just the beginning. And at the conference, they did not introduce any scientific evidence as to why they should reclassify homosexuality. They literally gave in to a homosexual activist movement that crashed the conference. Yeah. Well, this guy Ferrara there, you're, I know you're a homosexual there. I know you're on the line listening right now. Tell me, what convinced you that you're to turn into a homosexual? What was it? 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 And now you want to play games. 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 I love you. 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 I might be the wrong one. I'm muted, but go ahead. All right, they want to play games. You see, that's what they do. They can't. You can't have a serious dialogue or conversation with these people. They, they, you know, they, they, they. If it was a shouting match or name calling match, they'd be all for it. Uh, the punch and run attitude and the uh, trolling attitude, but instead of having an interesting conversation, even if they're offended, I'm offended by that, you know. And uh, but, I got uh, another one for you, Joe. Yeah. I just got a, it got a book that just came in the mail yesterday. It's called Irreversible Damage: The Transgender Craze Seducing Our Daughters. The author's name is Abigail Schreier. And you know what I find really interesting about this book? At the beginning of the book, in the foreword, she cites this incident. She says, she's talking about the people who are trying to get a book banned, because it was really selling like hot takes. And she says yeah. that the deputy director for transgender justice at the American Civil Liberties Unions tweeted, Abigail Schreier's book is a dangerous polemic with a goal of making people not trans. And also, stopping the circulation of this book and these ideas is 100% a hill I will die on. A professor of English at the University of California, Berkeley, went further, tweeting, I do encourage followers to steal Abigail Schreier's book 
and burn it on a pyre. I would have no doubt this professor would say nasty things about the Third Reich in the 1930s and moonlit uh, filming of books being burned on pyres. Yeah, of course, yeah, even right. though the Nazis, even though the Nazis only burned books once. Uh, but here's something right here I want to read. You know, going back to you know yeah, my comment about the Jews. But go ahead, Eddie. Okay, I'll make it quick. This is about the Jewish dominance of America's porn industry. It says in the post-war era, America's most notorious pornographer was Ruman Strollman, the Walt Disney of the porn. Uh, According to the U.S. Department of Justice, throughout the 1970s, Storman controlled most of the pornography circulating in the country. By the 80s, he owned over 200 bookstores. It was said that Stormer did not only simply control the adult entertainment industry, he was the industry. And this wow. – right here, it says Jewish dominance in the porn industry. Right here. Well, and, and, and I can they're keep gonna, going. They're going to cut us off. They're going to cut us off here. I had 909 on there. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.